What do you do on Sundays? We talk about Kate Blanchett, the acting, the costumes, the awards, but mostly the Blanchett of it all. Oh, oh I'm not acting. <laughs> you think this is a love affair? I saw you, Erica, meeting in the middle. This is Sundays with Kate, and I'm your host, Mortada El Fadi. As I mentioned in last week's episode, I am adding a new element to the podcast this season. This week, we are taking a brief detour from the films of Kate Blanchett. Instead, we will be discussing a current film out on release now, Ammonite, plus the career of Kate Winslet. And in the latter part of the podcast, we will discuss a few other queer films out this season. I will be back to regular programming next week. Cornu Amonis? Ammonite. Your skills are legendary. I was under the impression that fine London gentlemen were no longer interested in my relics. Fashion moved on. And for this conversation about Francis Lee's Ammonite, I am very excited to welcome Ren Gender, um, a queer writer, performer, producer. And you probably may have read some of her work in the New York Times, NPR, or Slate. Ren, so excited to have you. Welcome. I am glad to be here. So we're going to talk about Ammonite. I wanted to talk about this movie because of two things. One is because Kate Winslet is an actor that I have admired for a long time. And I have felt that in the last decade or so, um, my admiration for her fell a little bit as opposed to her early work. But I thought with Ammonite, even though I have issues with the movie itself, that her performance was something that reminded me of her early brilliant work. And I thought it would be a good movie to discuss. Um, so Ammonite is directed by Francis Lee and written by him. He's a director who made one previous movie that was called God's Own Country. And this was a 2017 movie. And Ammonite sort of takes a real historical person, Mary Anning, who was a paleontologist and builds a narrative, a fictional narrative around her life. So it imagines this love story between her and a woman called Charlotte Murchison. Um, Mary is played by Kate Winslet. Charlotte is played by Saoirse Ronan. There is evidence that Charlotte actually also existed and that she invited Mary to a weekend in her London home sometime when they were both alive. But beyond that, everything that's imagined in the movie is fictional, imagined by the director. Uh, Charlotte Murchison actually was also, um, I don't know if they called them paleontologists then, but she also had an interest in geology and fossils and it actually predated her husband's. Um, and she even has, like, I know all this from Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, she has an Ammonite uh, fossil that's actually named after her. Like, the Latin name is, like, you know, uh, whatever whatever the Latin for Murchison is. That's, like, the species name of that particular Ammonite. It, it sort of gets at, like, things that bother me about the movie. <laughs> They're, like, uh, so these women, like, is not just Charlotte Murchison, but also... Um, Elizabeth uh, Philpot, who's also a real person, uh, played by Fiona Shaw, they were they all had this common interest in like fossils, uh, mm -hmm. and and were doing this together, and like you know somehow there has to be a man in there, <laughs> 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 like, has uh, who leads you know Charlotte to 
Mary, uh, Kate Winslet's character. And also just like, it seems like, and, and yeah, I never know these rules of screenwriting, but it seems like there must, there must be some kind of rule that the, these characters must have tension, you know, they must like not have much in common or whatever. And actually like they have a lot in common. So. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, like we were saying, so the story imagines the man in this case is Murchison's husband, um, who's played by James McArdle. And he basically comes into Mary's shop, fossil shop in Cornwall by the sea to, because he heard of her, she was a well-known paleontologist or um, a fossil, let's call her a fossil hunter, since maybe, like you said, paleontologist <laughs> was not a term then. <laughs> but she was well known in the fossil circles, let's say. So he came to her store and then kind of like strangely asks her to take care of his wife. So uh, the Ronan character, Murchison, is um, suffering postpartum depression. She has lost um, a baby. And so the husband kind of doesn't want to deal with her. So he's just like, oh, this fossil hunter woman, I think, can take care of her. Like, I think the movie doesn't... Cure your depression. (laughs) She looks depressed. Maybe she can cure her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, even though, like, Kate Winslet in this role doesn't look like anybody who could, like, bring anybody out of their depression. You know, she's a very gruff character. She is, yeah. And this is so unlike Kate Winslet, like if, or at least unlike a lot of her characters, like she's very reticent here, but, and to your point, gruff and kind of mad. I don't know what she's mad about, but maybe just mad about the, what I found interesting that maybe what she's mad about is that she's not as respected as she should be. Um, And so that to me was was an interesting note to see Kate play because she always at least in my memory, in my mind, plays these very frank, open women um, that are sensual and sexual. But this is somebody who's repressed, who's mad. And, you know, that was a new note for me to see from her. And and I enjoyed watching that. Yeah, I don't know if I would call her repressed. I just, uh, again, I think it's a little bit of a trope, like the um, gruff lesbian. It's very um, old Mm-hmm. fashion kind of a trope like the last thing that i can remember um that has it in it is uh notes on a scandal the judy dench character kind of is, is this person you know who's like uh you know always in a bad mood and like you know never knows real love mm-hmm. yeah and so you know I, I, basically i went into this <laughs> this film not expecting much and i still was kind of disappointed let's dive into that so Kind of like what to me was disappointing about the movie was I liked the performance, but beyond it, I found the story very thin. I was more interested in Mary herself, not in this love story that is just plays to these beats that are once familiar and also not that interesting. So somebody's depressed, somebody's taking care of them, and then they fall in love, even though at the beginning there's a little bit of misunderstanding where um, the Kate Winslet character, Mary, thinks that maybe Sersha is interested in Fiona Shaw's character and then Sersha goes and says, no, you're the one I'm into. And then <laughs> because she... Nobody ever says anything directly in this film, <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you agree that the kind of like the story was like, if you were gonna, 
in that oh, fictionalized story. Why this nothing story? Yeah, well, I mean, basically, the fossils, I just have to say, even after seeing a film about them, is are just not very interesting to me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, like, uh, you know, on one hand, I, I wouldn't see this film if it weren't for a queer love story. On the other hand, like, I would have loved for it to have been between Kate Winslet's character, Mary, and Fiona Shaw's character, Elizabeth uh, Philpotts, uh, because, of course, they lived in the same town. Like, they were real people who lived in the same town and were gathering fossils together. And if anybody got together, it was probably the two of them, you know. <laughs> but, <Yeah>. oh, well. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Fiona Shaw is the one queer actor in the role. Yeah. The director is, the director-writer, Ralph, is queer, but Fiona Shaw is sort of like the queer woman, or at least that we know of. Um, yeah, well, I mean, and also she seems to be the only one whose life isn't like, you know, all about deprivation, mm -hmm. uh, which it seemed like both the other women, their lives were about. And to me, um, this is kind of a dehumanization of women uh, in the past when you like sort of uh, make their lives like, you know, sort of um, devoid of joy. Uh, because mm -hmm. like no matter how hard, well, I shouldn't say no matter how hard, but like women's lives, you know, in the past were much harder than they were now. That's, you know, not something you can argue about. But like they did find ways to get by. And to me, that's a lot more interesting than just, you know, to see, oh, God, things were so hard. I can't believe how hard they were for women in those days. And it's also sort of condescending to the past because, of course, things are hard for women now, too. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And so, so I, I feel like these films an awful lot of times are kind of, you know, saying to us, oh, you know, if only she had been born now, like she would have have no problems at all. Yes, of course. Women in science, no problems whatsoever right now. You know, they never have their work stolen or anything. Yeah, like I really um, think that's why I sort of wanted the movie even, you know, um, this taking your note about fossils. I kind of wanted the movie to be about the work because like to your point, even today as a paleontologist, probably somebody like Mary Anning wouldn't be respected or get the due that she is owed. And so to do it in the 1840s, that would have been a, even a more interesting story. Like the one scene at very on at the beginning when, when Charlotte's husband came in and the way that Kate Winslet sort of navigates that scene where she is sort of kind of a little bit interested because he is giving her compliments about yeah. her work, but also yeah. she is, continues to be gruff and not interested because, you know, he's a man who is in the field. So she has dealt with them before and kind of doesn't want to open herself to that. Like that to me was one of the more interesting notes in the script and in the performance. And I wanted to see more of that as opposed to just, you know, her taking care of poor Sersha who is depressed yeah. and sick. You know, that's sort of, I guess, the buildup to uh, the two women having romantic feelings for one another is, uh, you know, uh, Saoirse Ronan's character is not only depressed, but she's also has a fever, you know, and in those days, of course, you know, there weren't any antibiotics. So it was kind of touch and go. If you had a fever, that might be the end of you. Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, Kate Winslet's character is taking care of her and seems to be, I don't know, sort of falling for her at the same time. And I have to say, like in the early 90s, I uh, took care of, you know, very sick people uh, in their homes. And like, it's not sexy like I, I, I it doesn't like you know ignite sexual feelings in you mm. um to take care of somebody when they're sick so i felt like that was like another misfire in a script yeah. 
kind of full of them. And I, I don't know anybody who feels sexy when they're sick. So <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, yeah. You might be like grateful to the person who's taking care of you, but like that's a little different than like wanting to get it on with them. Yeah, unless this is a specific 1840s fever that we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? <laughs> you know, this movie, just because it is about queer people and it is from a queer director and it stars these two actresses that people love, like there was a lot of initial excitement for it. Like at least amongst yeah. my friends, amongst um, people I talked to all the time, we were like, oh, Ammonite will be like this movie that we're all expecting. And then it came out. And the release was kind of, I think, a little underwhelming, but also like the first um, initial bout of media about it was all about the sex scene and how this is, you know, there's the story that the, the actress kept telling about how they choreographed the scene themselves. And there was this note in the Hollywood Reporter um, cover story about how this puts Carol to shame, which is like, whatever, but also it's just like they're trying to compare themselves to a movie, to a queer movie, the last big queer movie that starred two women that people love. So that initial doubt kind of just makes you wait for that sex scene. Like, what is this sex scene that they have been talking about for months? And then it comes and, you know, I'm not an expert, obviously, but it was good. But it, but it also felt to me just like after all this buildup, like, is that all there is? You can't help but be like, is that all there is after all that buildup? Yeah, when I mean, well, the, there are a couple of problems. First of all, you know a film's in trouble when, like, actors talk about what a great experience they had making it. Um, that's like <laughs> that terrible film with Anne Hathaway, uh, D. Reese put out earlier this year. I don't even remember the name of it. But, like, everybody was saying, oh, how great it was to be on the set. The last thing he wanted. Uh, Oh, <laughs> anyway, like I want actors to feel comfortable in their scenes, like including sex scenes, like that's a bare minimum. But I also mm -hmm. want the film to be good, uh, which shouldn't be too much to ask. And like these two did not have chemistry. You know, they're mm. very awkward with each other. The two characters also like the buildup before they have sex is not, it doesn't really happen. They're not really like touching all that much there's a little hand holding um they're not exchanging confidences again these people barely talk to each other and it's fatal to have a romance between two women where you don't have either one or the other the sex scenes like they kept my eyes from glazing over but i'm not sure they're convincing you know and also when the two of them kiss like i was noticing i rewatched the film last night they don't look like they're into it like it's it's extremely awkward and I haven't really noticed that, you know, with their scenes with male uh, partners, you know, yeah. in love scenes. I um, do agree. Yeah, they yeah. don't really have chemistry at all. No. Um, one thing I do give the sex scene as a positive is that, like Lawrence's previous movie, God's Own Country, the sex scenes, there is an urgency to them. They're not, yeah. like, um, choreographed. Like, they're a little awkward. Or, yeah. um, and there is a little urgency to them. And this is something that he has done before and also something that, you know, we've seen Kate Winslet do a lot of sex scenes. And to your point, she always had chemistry with the men. And so she's somebody who's adapted at doing, at performing sexuality on screen. And so I, I liked her performance, but I'm not sure that Saoirse Ronan helped her. And the chemistry was just, just wasn't there. And also I think the Charlotte character is so underwritten that I don't know what any actor could have done with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's basically there to react. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's not a well-written script. 
I wasn't fond of God's Own Country, but I did like the one scene uh, where uh, they had the orphaned lamb that they save, or rather the Romanian character saves. Like that had a genuineness. It was very involving, uh, even though it's like a silent scene. This film really needed that in the fossil hunting because I totally was not feeling it at all. And also like... uh, the way that the men hooked up in the uh, in God's own country, it kind of is parallel in this film, like it's sudden, mm-hmm. and just that's not the way women usually hook up. I mean, I don't know, maybe it was different in the eighteen forties. Um, <laughs> but the fact is, like a comedian, uh, Suzanne Westenhofer, actually made a joke about it. Like she had played an Olivia Cruz. And she said, well, that's the thing about women. She said, like, you know, it takes a week for them to get together as opposed to just going to, you know, she was in Provincetown, the dick dock for 15 minutes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, go ahead. It was written by a man. So I guess yeah. that shows. Yeah. Well, and also, like, you couldn't, like, talk to some women. You couldn't, like, collaborate with some women, with some queer women. I mean, like, they're out there. I wasn't feeling so much of this film, <laughs> just so much. <laughs> Another interesting also, if he wanted to tell a love story, and to your point, Elizabeth Philpott was also a real woman who lived at that time. And just based on the fact that Fiona Shaw is so much more interesting as um, yeah. an actor and as a character in the very few scenes yeah. that she shows up, she literally yeah. has maybe three or four scenes. That would have also been a more interesting story, like two women in middle age maybe reflecting on their relationship or what might have happened if they were able to be together in the way that they wanted instead yeah. of this sort of May-December romance that just starts out of nowhere and goes n- nowhere at all. Also, that pairing uh, between uh, Fiona Shaw's character and Kate Winslet's character uh, also has the same class tension. You know, you can tell in the film that mm-hmm. Fiona Shaw's character has much more money than Kate Winslet's does. Apparently that was true in real life as well. However, they they got over it apparently through their shared interest in fossils. So beyond Kate Winslet's performance, which I am very positive on and I really liked her and I think she, it was interesting to me to watch her in this movie and to sort of see her um, chart this woman's life in the quieter scenes, in the scenes of her own. Like I think the scenes where she was just fossil hunting by the sea were more interesting to me than any scene where she was with Saoirse Ronan. You know, Ronan is somebody I have admired a lot and liked her in a lot of performances, but this, frankly, is maybe the nadir of her career. Yeah, Yeah, well, I mean, my problem with Winslet's performance is that, yeah, this is somebody who's supposed to be, you know, kind of cut off from other people, but she can't be cut off from the audience. And that's what I felt. Mm -hmm. There there have been characters like Heath Ledger in Brokeback Mountain. Like, that's Mm -hmm. another cut off character, but like, he's not cut off to the audience. You know, uh, mm-hmm. and even Winslet herself, like in Revolutionary Road, she's very, like, resentful and kind of not not really into her marriage and kind of being a woman in the 50s or early 60s, whichever it is, you know, in the suburbs. She's alive to the audience. She's open with the audience. I felt like Kate Winslet was cut off from the audience, at least kind of cut off from me and just like kind of isolated on screen. And that maybe, you know, bled over into why Saoirse Ronan 
isn't anything special at all in this film. You think maybe she wasn't giving her anything because she was playing such a reticent character that maybe she wasn't yeah, well, I mean, giving her something said, to play off. Yeah, Winslet has said this in publicity, you know, um, in an interview I heard earlier this week that she she wasn't really socializing or very open or, you know, having much conversation with her co-stars because she wanted to be that character who was so cut off from other people. Uh, and that makes for kind of a dull movie. <laughs> yes. So this is actually the word that's most associated with this movie. Like if you go on social media or there's even like articles written about how dull this movie is, like there is a very humorous article in Vulture um, where a writer, yeah. instead of reviewing the movie, she wrote a whole article about how she spent a dull evening with her girlfriend watching Ammonite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I think we both agree that it is a little bit dull. But was there anything that you liked about it? Like, I liked Winslet's performance. Was, was there anything that you took away from it that well, was I, enjoyable? I think, yeah, I think the main good things about it are the class tensions. And I would have liked to have seen more of that. The one really telling moment is when um, Charlotte and Mary are kissing and Mary stops because the maid is in the room. <laughs> and Susan so Ronan's character said, oh, don't worry, it's just the maid. It's not like it's a human being. You know? yeah, <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's just the maid. You know, she's a world away from, you know, Mary, uh, yeah. who isn't a servant, but like certainly isn't in the same, you know, Social class. class. Yeah. yeah, and and doesn't have the money that, you know, this, this other woman has. Um, so I think those things were the best things in the movie. At, at the same time, I don't know, I, I felt like more could have been done with that. Like, you're right, that there is a tension between, you know, Mary makes money from these gentlemen who buy her fossils. Um, she's also, you know, kind of erased by them. They put their own names on mm -hmm. the fossils when, um, when, they're in the museum or wherever they're being displayed um, because of course they bought that right um, yes. to put their mm -hmm. names on them. The thing is like, there's so little in this film that I like that I liked. And I also feel like Lee himself just does not have a connection to most of this material uh, in publicity. You know, he's talked about that actually it was his boyfriend. I don't know if it's an ex or somebody he's still with who had the interest in fossils and it kind of shows and also, like, the landscape, um, he said he was surprised, he, he hadn't spent much time by the sea, and so he didn't realize that, like, in order to schedule filming, you have to schedule around the tides. He didn't know about tides. <laughs> he did not do research. I feel like he's not really connected to this, and I'm... You know, the cynical part of me is like, well, here in the U.S., you can actually get funding uh, more easily for something that's about science. And maybe even, you know, women in science might get you some extra funding. So I don't know if that's what happened, but it, it, he just didn't have a feel for this material at all. And like you said, it's just very thinly written. Uh, and I'm also very resentful that, like, he uh, cast Gemma Jones in both this film and in... Um, God's Own Country, she played the mother, and she plays the mother in both films. And uh, not only does she play the mother in both films, and I mean, this is somebody who, you know, she's older now, and so she doesn't have, like, the hot career she did when she was young. But, like, she uh, 
uh, played the Duchess of Duke Street um, way back when, like 40 years ago. Uh, she was a star. She was a good actress. And like uh, in God's Own Country, she's ironing. In this, uh, in this film, she's like polishing little figurines, you know? And it's like, he asked him, so, okay, so what do women do? Oh, oh, wait, I know. <laughs> <laughs> they iron and polish. <laughs> yes, exactly. And yeah, I'm just, yeah, I, I want to see Gemma Jones do more than that. I agree. Um, she plays Winslet's mom, and I would have liked to see her do a little bit more. Um, I also agree with you about that maybe Lee didn't have enough affiliation with the material, with the fossils, with maybe the ocean, as he did in God's Own Country to the Earth. Because yeah. I felt like he comes from Yorkshire. He has talked about growing up in a farm. And in that yeah. movie, you can feel that connection to the land, exactly. to the earth, that you do not feel at all in Ammonite. Everything in Ammonite yeah. is at a remove. Like, you know, to your point, Kate Winslet, though I liked her performance, she is at a remove. He is at a, the, the cameras that are removed, the emotions that are at a remove. Everything is like you're looking at it from very far away, which sort of prevents the audience to the point you were making earlier about Winslet's performance from connecting to the story at all. Yeah. All Lee's choices here are at this remove. Like, the filmmaking is austere. The, the dialogue is minimal. There is not a lot. The costumes are very drab and the settings yeah. are very drab. And like, you know, yeah, these are not glamorous people. So it's not like we wanted gowns or colors or anything. But it's just all of these choices together add to this very dull movie. And, you know, your eye can't go anywhere besides the performances and only yeah. one and maybe we can call it one and one eighths because Fiona Shaw is in so little of the movie yeah. kind of works. So there, where, where, what grabs the audience attention if everything is so drab and minimal and there's nothing, there is no memorable line readings because there is not enough dialogue. There are no visuals because everything is sort of gray and at a remove. So it's just like, it's very hard to connect to this movie. There wasn't a sense of, discovery not just of the fossils but just especially if he was unfamiliar with that landscape like you don't even really see what's in the water like you just kind of see you know the pebbly beach and like an occasional like crab or whatever those shots where he has like insects and crabs and other things uh, in the shot reminded me of sort of ripoffs of uh andrea arnold and he's like he's no andrea arnold um mm -hmm. you know he should stick to just shooting the people <laughs> but but there's uh, but there's no there's no wonder in the film mm -hmm. from anyone even though i think it actually is supposed to be conveyed by um saoirse ronan's character it just it doesn't come through at all yeah i mean she tries or at least a in a couple of scenes where she is trying to sort of tell mary how wonderful she is or how she admires her work um, but those like, you know, come too late in the movie to add any spark to it or to your point yeah. wonder. You're the most fascinating person there tonight. And I think the most beautiful. I wanted to talk about the ending. So obviously these women, because of the historical record, it's not like he could suddenly fashion a happy ending to their lives. And frankly, once you see that story, you can't really see them ending together anyway. But yeah. to the point that you made earlier, basically the friction at the end is more of a class friction. And Mary sort of resents 
Charlotte for inviting her over to London and just assuming that she would upend all her life and move in with her to live in her big house because she'll stay married and her husband, you know, is not there that much so they can just live their lives. And she decides yeah. to leave. And the end is in, is in the British Museum where then Mary goes and visits the fossils that she has collected and sees, and sees them displayed there. And like, it, it's very well done, that scene, I think, you know, um, showing her looking at the fossils. But also I just felt like the, the metaphor was kind of too much on the nose. Like I felt that he was saying to us that these women are still caged, caged by, I don't know, uh, the mores of the times, by the way society treats them, by class, by something. And I just felt it was very obvious and sort of undercut, even though I thought it was well shot and done. What did you yeah, think I mean, of the ending? Well, I mean, it, it, it's part of what in the film rubs me the wrong way. You know, showing people caged is not particularly exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, Showing, yeah, showing, especially, you know, in this context, it's not particularly well written, you know, it's not, it's not particularly incisive, it's not particularly original. And it just, like I said, I feel like it's kind of dehumanizing, like showing pre-civil rights, all people of color is just, you know, suffering, 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 you know, and this used to be a trope with uh, queer people in general in films too, like suffering, suffering, suffering all the time. Now we more have it with trans people uh, and, you know, hopefully it will stop (laughs) Uh, in a while. It's not emotionally satisfying at all, but it's also, it's kind of insulting. That's something that I kind of felt about the whole film, actually. Um, There's a quote Pauline Kael has about the killing of Sister George, another lesbian movie I strongly dislike. And um, <laughs> it's like, it's, this isn't exact. Oh, I always heard, you know, there was no such thing as a happy lesbian. But I assume that was male propaganda. Don't these women have any light moments? And I just thought that through the whole film, you know, and really only Fiona Shaw is the one who <laughs> has some light moments. Uh, even though, like, one of her scenes, it's... Uh, She's quite good in it, but it reminded me of, like, the two of them when they're talking about their relationship, uh, you know, and what they did wrong. It reminded me of, like, seeing a couple's counselor, maybe, after you've decided to break up. It was very contemporary to me, like, in a jarring way uh, and kind of funny. Um, The whole film kind of plays this parody, actually. You could easily make a parody of it and not really change much and also a lot of like the cliches and tropes in it were already addressed by you know portrait of a lady on fire you know which which does write a lot of what this film does wrong yeah absolutely i think one of the funniest jokes and this is not like a joke in the movie but after watching this film i was talking to a friend over text and he um and we're talking about it and he he wrote to me, gay men don't understand lesbians and never will. And I think maybe kind of what we were talking about um, proves that point. I mean, Francis Lee is queer, but maybe he should stick to queer men. Not that we want to tell artists what to do and what not yeah. to do. Both. It's true, but it's also sort of unforgivable, you know, mm-hmm. at the same time. Absolutely. You know, he could absolutely understand queer women if he chose to, if he paid more attention to them, if he like read some history <laughs> I don't know. you know if he saw you know even uh you know a completely fictional thing like a portrait of a lady on fire 
that there's just more, yeah, there's just more heart there and there's more, you know, sensitivity and more everything, more yeah. care. And you wrote a wonderful article to the Times about Portrait of a Lady on Fire and what it does. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. And also um, Rafiki, uh, I know people were like, where are the contemporary films about queer women? And it's like, well, they're all over the place. You just didn't see them. Um, and Rafiki is one of them um, from Kenya. It's actually a film about a uh, love story about two women. And it's actually still banned in that country. It's a great love story. And it shows, I hate it when people say, oh, this queer love story is universal. But it does show sort of the process of first love uh, I think better than a lot of films do, uh, even ones about straight couples. And it also has that sense of joy that I think you were talking about yeah. that we, we lacked in this film. Yeah. To Going back to Charlotte and Mary, like when you first fall in love with someone, there is an excitement there. There is yeah. the word that you said, wonder. And that was just not here. But to your point, it is really, a, really um, in abundance in Rafiki. Like that's a beautiful story yeah, about yeah. Um, first love yeah i mean she uh, you know the director uh, writer director um whose name i'm not going to butcher but uh she uh had talked about like she even like makes the colors brighter when the two of them get together you know because that's kind of how you see the world is like as as a better place as a prettier place i'm a night i say if you are a kate winslet fan there is things to enjoy at least I did as a fan of her work. Um, but otherwise, maybe, you know, it's skippable. Do you agree, Ren? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, Kate Winslet was somebody uh, I had a great deal of goodwill toward uh, in her early career. Of course, she started out, uh, I'd sort of forgotten, uh, playing a queer murderer in uh, Heavenly, Creatures. Heavenly Creatures. You know, she was very open uh, in interviews, certainly then uh, at the, in the first part of her career about like the pressure to be super skinny, you know, that she had been a fat child actor uh, and then, you know, had lost weight. And so she was cast in all these things. She went to the Academy Awards for Titanic. Joan Rivers called her fat and like then it was all over. Like then, then she became another super skinny actress. And I've been like less interested in her since then though like she's you know sometimes she comes back she like criticized a photoshop cover of a magazine she was on saying you know her body looked nothing like that when people have success very young like leave some kind of sheltered so like also in interviews she's wondered aloud if she's a feminist which is like really <laughs> <laughs> that was a few years ago though right yeah, yeah, but I mean, I think that was around when Revolutionary Road came out, um, mm -hmm. you know, because that's kind of a feminist movie. And, um, you know, and she's worked with Woody Allen, Roman Polanski, though, you know, recently she's expressed regret about that. So, like... Yeah, I think, you know, I agree with you about, like, her, I thought that when she first appeared in the mid-90s, she was such an exciting actor. Like, I remember Sense, Sense and Sensibility, like... It's a Jane Austen adaptation, but yeah. just the way yeah. that she, she played that, like she brought sensuality to Jane Austen in a way that I haven't seen before in any other, or even since, like maybe, yeah. maybe people do a little bit more with um, Jane Austen or, or uh, movies set in the past, certainly Portrait of a, La uh, Portrait yeah. of a Lady of Fire did, but at, in 95, she, that sensuality that she brought to Austen, I thought was mesmerizing. Really loved that performance. Why did you not tell me? I could not break my word. But then 
Edward loves you. He, he cannot marry her. Would you have him treat her even worse than Willoughby has treated you? No. But nor would I have him marry where he does not love. After all, that is bewitching in the idea of one's happiness entirely depending on one person. It is not always possible. We must accept. Always resignation and acceptance. Always prudence and honor and duty. Yeah, and I mean, and she looked terrific in um, all those uh, period, you know, um, costumes that she wore, you know, in, in Heavenly Creatures and, and Sense and Sensibility and to a lesser degree in Titanic because like those dresses were kind of tacky, but that wasn't her fault. <laughs> no. Did you, did you ever see um, her in Jude? So that was a movie that she did between Sense and Sensibility and um, Titanic. So it was the Thomas Hardy adaptation by Michael Winterbottom. And it's a movie like I think if people want to find something obscure for early Winslet, they should check out. She's very like, you know, Thomas Hardy does these sort of tragic women. So it's yeah. kind of in that trope. But I think also she just, similar to what she did in Sense and Sensibility, there was such a sensuality and verve to her and to her performance that that was acting against the story and maybe against the director a little bit and that was that tension was interesting i can remember her in hideous kinky mm, um, yes which yeah it, again like yeah that she was kind of fearless she would do these these nude scenes and this this character who kind of doesn't know what she wants in life and is a hippie just wandering around that not necessarily you know other young actresses would do what a choice. Like, that was her choice right after Titanic. That was literally the movie yeah. she made after Titanic. So I think she should get credit for those early career choices because, you know, Titanic basically gave her world fame and she decides yeah. to do a small indie movie like Hideous Kinky. I also like her when she worked with Jane Campion in Holy Smokes. Holy yeah. Smoke. It's only one smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Not smokes. <laughs> Again, to... What you were talking about, like in Holy Smoke, it's one of those fearless performances. Like she is willing to go to, you know, places other actors don't go. And there is a very funny anecdote that I remember from like a few years ago where she talked about that she was improvising with Harvey Keitel in that movie. And he just decided to perch on the floor and start barking. And so she's like, what am I going to do? So she's like, then of course I was barking back at him. So it's, it's a funny thing about how, you know, actors are mad and sometimes they do mad things to, to get to these performances that then we see on screen. Do, do they actually keep that scene in the film? <laughs> I don't know. That scene, I don't think it's in the film. Okay, um. yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a great scene, frankly. Probably was a lot of fun to do, but you know. Too many guys think I'm a concept, or I complete them, or I'm going to make them alive. But I'm just a fucked up girl who's looking for my own peace of mind. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, that was a movie that a lot of people loved. I'm not on the same wavelengths of whimsy as... Michelle Gondry, so I could take or leave that movie, but I think she's great in it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I, that's one of those films that actually, through the years, it's sort of gone up in my estimation. Its originality stuck with me. It's also a film with a just an amazing cast, like besides Jim Carrey, who I don't really care for, but like everybody else in it is 
amazing and just have great careers. Yeah, I mean, Kirsten Dunst and Mark Ruffalo and Jane yeah. Addams and Tom Wilkinson. And she's one of those actors who are associated with the Academy Awards because she's been nominated yeah. so many times and she had that sort of narrative for a long time because she's been, she won on her sixth nomination. So people are always like, she even made fun of it in that Rick Gervais show where it's like, you know, yeah, she yeah. went on and said, when is Winslet going to win one? And, you know, literally did what, you know, was a joke in that show, which is like, do a Holocaust movie and you'll win. And yeah. that's exactly what happened to her. Yep. She made the reader. So. <laughs> which I've never seen, by the way. It just never appealed to me. Also, I never have wanted to see these films about like how Nazis are people too. Mm, uh, even before yeah. we had one in the White House, like, I, yeah, I, they're bad people and I don't want to see films about them. I mean, especially accidental Nazis, which is what the reader is about. Okay. <laughs> That's like, I, I'm imagining like a cross between like the reader and the accidental tourist. <laughs> the two of them melding together. The accidental oh. Nazi. But, you know, I'm always wary of these sort of award narratives because, like, people like Glenn Close and Amy Adams are going through it this award season in that I don't think these actors, like, run their careers like, I want to win the Oscar. And so they, they make choices here and there, and some of them have more power than others. And certainly people like yeah. Winslet and Close and, and Adams have had a lot of power at points in their career to, you know, maybe not power, but at least choice yeah. as successful white women in an industry um, that maybe values that a little bit more than other actors. But still, like, I don't think that, you know, she made the reader just doing an Oscar, which kind of like was her narrative for a while. And it's sort of like, you feel like people literally turning on her, especially somebody who was beloved and is like, when are you going to win one? And suddenly like, because they say they maybe want to win one everybody turns on them, which I think is a little unfair. Well, I also think that um, it's something that happens to women much more than it does to men. Like, Absolutely. Uh, I think somebody was, you know, trying to dissect, like, when do we decide that we all don't like Anne Hathaway? And it had to do with, like, uh, around the time. Didn't she win an Oscar? I don't even yes, know. Yes, she, she won. <laughs> yes, and that's when people turned on her, too. Same yeah, as, as yeah. Winslet. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and it's like, are, are these women... And like really all that dislikable, especially like when you consider the type of man who succeeds in Hollywood. I don't mm -hmm. think so. Yeah, absolutely. I like, like you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, you could say the same thing about him. Again, I don't think like he made the Revenant just to win an Oscar, similar to Kate Winslet doing the reader, but you know, he, he was in the same boat, but yet nobody turned on him. No, no, because he's a guy and he's allowed to do what he wants. Yes. So in general, I think Kate Winslet has an interesting career. I think her earlier career is more interesting than her latter career. And I think, in my mind, Ammonite is an interesting choice for her at this point. And I, I think, hopefully, that I want to see that fearless actor that I so loved in Sense and Sensibility yeah. and Holy Smoke and um, all these earlier movies come back. And maybe, maybe she will. Hopefully she will. Maybe and she that, can uh, kiss a woman in a film and look like she means it. <laughs> I mean, it happened once. <laughs> Not in Ammonite, but yeah. No, in, in Fierce Creatures, yeah. They yeah. kissed. Heavenly, Heavenly Creatures. Creatures, sorry. So, will Heavenly, if you want to recommend a Kate Winslet 
performance for our listeners is heavenly creatures your choice or is there something else you want to i think so yeah at that time like nobody knew who the fuck peter jackson was uh it was before lord of the rings films and i said oh yeah this this guy is pretty good <laughs> and uh <laughs> and and yeah she's just excellent in it um yeah and also you know has, has that flair for wearing those period clothes you know this takes mm-hmm. place not all that long ago uh in the 60s but still um in the 60s or 50s i forget which but like you know she just she looks like she belongs in that era whenever she plays one of these roles maybe not an ammonite um but in everything else uh that takes place in the past when she puts on those clothes they really take you back she has or maybe had the kind of face that you could you know kind of picture in in those times and not like sort of our current underfed actress times yeah and so in this year when availability of movies are kind of touch and go like sometimes you don't know like ammonite i saw at a festival um i know yeah. it's out but yeah. i think you can rent it in the u.s there are um other queer movies um if people want to check out um that are maybe more interesting so um ren what other queer movies would you say people should see? I can't tell you like how heartbreaking it is to me that like I'll see a good movie at a festival and I have no fucking idea when other people can see it. Like, and this is true for queer movies as well. Like one of the best documentaries I, I saw this year was No Ordinary Man about Billy Tipton. And it's a great movie that everyone should see. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a lot of smart trans people, you know, commenting on, commenting in a way that like, you know, it's so far away from, like, all the, like, Twitter arguments or whatever. It, it feels like where the conversation should be instead mm-hmm. of where it is an awful lot of times, especially in the media. And maybe because it is, like, smart trans people mostly talking among themselves and not, like, <laughs> it's like the rest of us are overhearing, but we're not, you know, we're not in the conversation. I feel this about so many good queer movies that I've seen this year i uh, i carry you with me which is about the um it's a combination of documentary and and drama about the undocumented uh gay couple from mexico that's a fantastic movie i guess it's supposed to be opening sometime in 2021 who knows you know and i also love that carry you with me i saw it also at a festival i saw it at the new york film festival and i know that it was supposed to come sometime i was excited for it to come out in december but i think it's now, to your point, is coming out sometime next year, but it is a beautiful movie. And what I also loved about it, it's like, it's a, a story, a real story about real people yeah. similar to Ammonite, yeah. like the two guys who fall in love, these Mexican immigrants who yeah. fall in love in, you know, in Mexico and then yeah. uh, come to New York separately and then see each, meet each other again. Um, they are real. And so the, the movie is directed by Heidi Ewing, who was a documentarian. And so she does mix the documentary and fictional narratives together. So you see the actual subjects of the film in sort of a documentary talking about their lives and their lives in New York today and how living here um, with no documents, um, stateless, and how they can't go back to Mexico. Um, And at the same time, actors portray them when they are young and tell the beautiful love story you know, at different stages of their life as children and as teenagers and as young adults yeah. as they met and fell in love and sort of like gives you this 
big, huge, like the movie is not long, but you feel like you know these people, you know all yeah. aspects of their lives. And so I yeah. think all of that is just put together beautifully. Um, yeah, and that is a film that's uh, full of wonder and beauty. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Ren, for coming on the podcast and talking to me about Ammonite and the career of Kate Winslet. And before you go, can you let our listeners know where they can find you and your work? Well, you know, this past year has not been the best for those of us who have been in media. I've mostly been in my apartment hanging out with my cats and, um, you know, many of the places where uh, my stuff used to be either, you know, don't exist anymore as opportunities for freelancers or the editor left or whatever. But I will be other places soon, <laughs> I promise. <laughs> so look out for my byline. It, it will be out there. But in the meantime, people can find you on social media. They can, yeah. And I mean, you know, if you want to look back in the olden times, like 2019, uh, you can find my work, as, as you said in the intro, in um, the New York Times and on NPR. Uh, in um, if you want to go back even further, on Slate. And you can find me on Twitter at me underscore says and follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Sundays with Kate. All previous episodes of the podcast are available at sundayswithkate.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, thank you for listening.